Welcome to the Music Business Podcast. Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends, tactics, and insights from some of the world's brightest minds in music. I'm Jordan Williams of EQT Management. And I'm Sam Heisel from Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Music Business Podcast. What's we up, back Sam? again. Hey, we, we about to again. go. We about in. to do hey. it. We about to talk about music business. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, guys. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> we keeping that. Fuck it. Do it live. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do it live. Uh, Fuck it. <laughs> Look, y'all. Oh, man, we clowning today. Um, today we have an episode. It's just me and Sam today. Do it live. <laughs> do it live. <laughs> Start shaking the paper. Fuck it. We do it live. <laughs> Forget this paper in front of us. <laughs> um, today we're going to switch it up a little bit. Um, I've always wondered a little bit into depth about what Sam does. He's st- he's still laughing, yo. He's still laughing. He's still thinking about. He's still thinking about Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> He's still thinking about Bill O'Reilly, yo. <laughs> now he's crying. Sam is crying, literally crying right now. We haven't even started this damn episode. And he's crying. All right, I'm done. I'm done. All right, go. All right. Anyway, finally get to introduce our guest today. Guest slash host, Sam Heisel from Knox Media. For those who don't know, Knox Media is a digital strategy company. EQT has worked with Knox a few times, actually, on a few different clients. Um, Berhana, um, who else have we worked on together? Sego, JPEG, Global Yep, there you go. There it is. So um, excited to get into strategies today, particularly because not just because we've worked with him and seen the results that he's been able to, to give back to us, but... Also, you know, his past is very extensive in terms of digital strategy. For those who don't know, he used to work for Gary Vee, who's a serial entrepreneur and just kills the social media game. Um, Gary Vee himself, his pages from figuring out how to hack social media organically, you know, went from, you know, 200, 300,000 followers to whatever he's at now, like 3 million or something like 5 million. Yeah, crazy. Crushing it. So they pretty much just boiled that that strategy down to a science and, and helped entrepreneurs and musicians alike do the same thing. So um, Sam's worked for Tom Billyu, who I follow on Instagram, super intense dude, super cool dude. Um, he's got his followers from 100,000 to 2 million while he was while he was at Gary Vee at, at Vayner Talent. Um, he's worked with Black Coffee. I originally discovered Black Coffee when he was on that song with Drake a few years ago. I was missing out, man. I was missing out. Um, But he's gone from that person that people saw and people heard on that Drake song to a a huge staple of his own. I mean, selling out arenas and you helped him get there. You know, I remember the days when you told me, you know, when you were aiming to sell out Terminal 5 and then when you did and just going from that at a strategic point of view uh, digitally, I thought was super interesting. And I'm just super glad we can share that with our listeners right now. My man, my man, thank you. Very excited to uh, be on. Uh, definitely have learned a lot over the past five, 10 years as kind of working digital marketing. Definitely the past couple, two, three years, really diving a lot deeper into kind of the intersection of digital marketing as well as kind of music marketing um, and a lot of the different tactics that some of the most innovative startups and entrepreneurs are using to grow their brands and how that can be translated to helping artists grow their brands. I think... Um, 
at a high level, there's an interesting shift that's been happening in the music industry over the past like five or so years. I think a lot of the traditional gatekeepers to potential fans, the the gatekeepers to music distribution have been completely destroyed, right? You don't need a record label and a PR team to get your music to listeners and get your name out there via traditional media, right? Now you can actually just upload your music directly to DSPs and you can create your own connection with your own audience, right? You can build your own fan base without any gatekeeper, right? And at the end of the day, that's one of the most valuable assets you can have as an artist. And that gives you so much more leverage going into conversations with a potential record label or anything like that. So I think it's a... it's a great time to be an artist given the fact that you can create your own fan base and you don't need these other kind of intermediaries to do so. So in this episode, super excited to dive into some of those tactics. Um, and one other thing I wanted to just mention before we dive in, I think uh, definitely going to give a big overview around a bunch of different tactics. But I think if you guys do have any specific questions pertaining to um, whether you're a manager or a label um an artist, don't hesitate to just reach out to me. Um, either shoot me an email or just shoot me a DM at, uh, on Instagram. On Instagram, it's just at Sam Heisel, Sam, H-Y-S-E-L-L. And for email, it's Sam at wearenox.co. So W-E-A-R-E-N-O-X dot C-O. Um, genuinely passionate about the intersection of marketing and music. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Right. Um, so what you want to start with first, man? Yeah. I know you got some stuff prepared. I got some questions for you. For What's sure. Up? So I think there's a lot of ways to really like slice and dice social media. I think highest level, there's a really unique opportunity to create your own connection with your audience without necessarily having to go through any other gatekeepers. Um, by building an audience and engagement and fan base through social media, you're able to help drive streams for your music, sell tickets for your shows, and ultimately like create leverage in order to get the the deal you want from a record label. I know we talk often about kind of how you want to align your chips before you uh, start having some of these conversations with labels. So I think to the extent that you can really actually build an audience. One funny thing that you see happening is that even record labels now are just like signing social media influencers and trying to turn them into musicians and uh, uh, surrounding them with actual like songwriters and producers. And I think it's because one of the most valuable assets is your fan base and having a fan base and being able to reach them via social media is hands down one of your most valuable assets. So today, I, I know we've talked about this previously, but I think a shining example of that at first was Cardi B. Cardi B, she we obviously know her as Cardi B because she's a musician now, pretty good musician. But um, I knew of Cardi B because she was an influencer first. She was a, a mm-hmm. very famous stripper. This <laughs> is how is is how I came across Cardi B. Right, you know? right, right, right. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, today I'm going to dive into some different tactics. We'll start high level. So just for even further context, right now I run a company called Knox, and we help artists, managers, labels create content, build fan bases online. So a lot of the different tactics and kind of ways that we'll approach different artists um, is kind of what I'm going to use to break down a a kind of approach for you guys. Um, So I think for starters, before we dive into like the the growth hacks, everybody wants the shortcuts. I think it's really important to take a step back and identify, premeditate, what is the the, the narrative you're trying to create? I think social media is really just a mechanism, is a storytelling platform. So I think even beyond just social media, you really need to identify what is like the story you're trying to tell as an artist. What does your brand stand for? Before we even really start creating any content with the clients we work with, we'll always 
kick things off by doing an overarching like brand strategy guide. So what does that deliverable look like? Is it a piece of paper? Is it a mission statement? Is it, you know, it's, is, a, it's a couple of things. It's a paragraph. You said, you set me up for my next point. <laughs> um, so it starts by, it's, I mean, the, the first step of that process is really just having an open conversation with the artist, with the management. What makes this artist unique? What, what what's their story? What are they, makes them, uh, were the similar artists? What inspired them to create music in the first place? Where did they come from? What are their songs about, lyrics about? What's the message they want to make on the world? Um, but the actual deliverable in the brand strategy guide is a, it's a document broken down into a couple different sections. Brand pillars, fan personas, content streams, the kind of different platform focus. So what different platforms are you going to focus on? Um, types of partnerships, uh, and then I guess a paid media strategy. If there is actual paid media budget on the table, then there's some different ways in which you can really kind of allocate that paid media budget. I think for the sake of this conversation, we'll be focusing more, a lot more on kind of the, the budget approach. If you don't yeah. have thousands of dollars to invest towards paid media, how right. can you still build momentum? So to go through that list one by one, step one is brand pillars. So this is what does your brand really stand for? What makes you unique? I think whenever you see an artist you tend to be drawn to them because of a couple different factors or because there's certain things about their persona that you really like. Um, I think it's very important to identify what are the top three or four unique things about your brand. It could be your story. It could be about the fact that you want to create an actual impact with the music you make. Um, it could be that you want to sustain this underground edge or that you uh, are a renaissance man that isn't just a musician, but has all mm -hmm. these other creative facets, right? So I think being able to dial in on what those core brand pillars are is critical because if you're all over the place, then it's very hard for people to understand who you are in their head and, and kind of make a concise understanding of who you are as an artist, right? If you're all over the place, then it, it gets a little bit harder for people to really build a, a connection because you're just trying to be too many things, too many different types of people. These brand pillars, they're supposed to be extensions of who the people are, though, right? Like, or, you know, can it be something completely different? Like, if I decide tomorrow to be a hip-hop artist and I just make up a brand pillar, is that is, is there such thing as a bad brand pillar? Like, I mean, one where I shouldn't choose because it's a little bit too, too big of a departure of who I am? No, I mean, I think authenticity will always win, no mm -hmm. matter what, on social and off social. So I, I think, yeah, it definitely very much relates to, like, your individuality as an artist. What are you naturally interested in? What are the stories you tell? Right. Why are you drawn to create this music? If you look at all the other musicians in this genre, what makes you different? What makes you stand out? Right. Um, so those are a lot of the questions I'd ask, but I'd really try and distill it down to a list of like three or four core brand pillars. And then I think when you're creating content on social and captions and whatnot, you want to be able to try and tie things back to those brand pillars. So for some of our artists, they have these like these very quirky, playful sides. Some of them are on that Renaissance man side. Another mm -hmm. hip hop artist we started working with recently very much is, um, grew up in a really rough environment, but is, uh, I think wants to leverage his, his, his voice and his insight to really try and drive change in some, in, in like the community he grew up in as well as other communities. Um, so then that equates to, that's like a brand pillar that somebody, I guess, like a Nipsey Hussle would have shared, right? So you can start to right. go back and see, and even a good exercise too, is like thinking about the artists that you really like, what kind of are the unique elements of their brands, right? I think, right. um, like we can even talk for a second, just riff on that. I think like Diplo, major artist, I think he definitely does have like on online and on social, this very like, 
poppy, playful, funny, comedic mm-hmm. side of his brand. Um, I think Masego, artist that I like on your guys' roster, I think has this very uh, kind of like vintage, like new school with old school influence. So diving in a little bit to that, like play on the times, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the brand, just as we go through this, what are some brand pillars from the artists you're thinking of? I mean, just to go back to Cardi B, I think she's really playful. Like everything, mm-hmm. oh, you know, yeah, 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 I yeah, think yeah. she's super, super playful. Right. Um, but I think she's also like very real. So she responds to people on Twitter directly when yeah. they call her out. Yeah. When she's like, why do, I saw one the other day. It says, why do people not like Cardi B? And then she was like, because I talk back to bitches like you or something like that. Yeah. yeah so yeah, she's yeah. got some spice to her also. Right. And all of those things shine through like so strongly. You right. Know? right. 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 Um, I'm trying to think who else has like a really Kanye. Kanye has a super strong brand. I mean, now now it may be getting mixed in with things, brand pillars that people don't necessarily associate with Kanye, like liking Donald Trump and things like that. Mm-hmm. But we know Kanye is outspoken. Like everyone knows Kanye is outspoken. That's why right. we all can feel like we can call him Kanye by his first name or yay or whatever, because he's been so he's been so uh forward with his brand the entire time that he's been out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, that's another like really big one. Yeah. Um, Frank Ocean, super like quiet, minimalist type singer, very emotional, um, but closed off at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think these things shine through his music, but also the way that he expresses himself totally via content, you know? Yeah. I love all of those. So I think that's exactly the, uh, the I think, start there. Identify what your brand pillars are for the artists that you're working with. What makes them unique? What makes them stand out? What are the their interesting personality traits or desires or interests? Um, and really try and crystallize those into like the three or four most important ones. Mm-hmm. And really everything should kind of stem down towards from that. Next thing is fan personas. So this is really starting to get a little more granular around like who your target audience is. Um, can't be everything to everyone. I think it's important. Like even if you do want to be, excuse me, even if you do want to be like a, uh, a pop artist or have like like super broad commercial appeal. I think it's really important to identify who your like early adopters or the the people that are most likely to engage with you and your brand and your content in the early days because those are going to become your advocates and ambassadors that will help you get to the masses. So and this is also written out. Yeah, like exactly. Right so this is right. So this isn't like thinking about. Um, we're not trying to appeal to like rap fans in general. Yeah, like, don't get me <laughs> yeah. wrong. You want right. to, but then like. Like JPEG Mafia, interesting artist Jordan works with. I think he kind of breaks into this like um, this unique white space that has an overlap between like I guess some alternative hip hop fans, but also a little bit into this like punk, punkier space, right? Right. Um, so I think you can identify different types of artists, different types of uh, brands. I think if there is uh, a really strong. Say you're very into to fashion and, and streetwear, and you're really leaning into that, then maybe you can really and that's a big interest of yours, then you can carve out this lane of a fan persona as people that are like the, the hype beasts or people that are also very much into that. I think it it isn't only your music, but here for the fan personas, you want to start to tap into people that share other similar interests, right? Where you can really kind of gain some notoriety within those subcultures, within those communities. Right, right. Um, the reason I think it's valuable to come up with fan personas is because then this is a good mechanism for you to identify what sorts of partnerships to develop. If you're very much into fitness or basketball and you really want to lean into an audience of people that are also very much into like wellness and sports, 
then you can start to find other influencers in that space and co-create content with them. Um, and then those, it's like, that's a way to tap into somebody that already has exposure into a community that you're trying to get exposure in front of. Right. So how do you do that? If you, if you know, these partnerships aren't on a large scale, like, how do I do that? If I only have 200 followers on Instagram? Yeah. I mean, I think it's like you start with the people that are in a similar size or lane as you. So I Mm -hmm. think a lot of times when people think influencer, like any sort of like partnership, they're always just like. They got swinging 10 for the fences. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When there's a lot of uh, white space in this, I mean, there's a lot of room to play with a much smaller accounts and much smaller partnerships. So I would say not to be deterred just because somebody isn't huge. And I'd say you can even start with people that are like around you or just a little bit above you. Um, and I think there's a lot of different like small accounts or other individuals that are posting about that stuff where you can engage, you can open up a conversation with them. You can start commenting on their co- uh, content. Um, and really just leaning into creating a relationship with them. So I just want to sprint through some of these other things where you can get into some of the the t- uh, very tactical questions. Um, but so brand pillars, fan personas, next thing is content streams. So this is really you starting to take a stab at like, okay, um, how can we actually identify a couple different buckets of content we want to create? I think if, if you or in the studio a lot, you should, maybe behind the scenes studio footage, if you're really into fashion, showcasing different types of clothing and attire into, if you're a producer, um, maybe deconstructing some of your own beats. But I think here's where you really want to brainstorm and, and try and come up with a couple different buckets or general categories of content. Just because this way, if you spend the time actually thinking about what are these buckets and content streams, then it's a lot easier to actually execute upon them because a lot of times people just don't know what content to create. Right. Um, so really just try and take the time to come up with what those content streams are. Um some other content streams that we'll execute upon. I mean, I think definitely leading very heavy into performance clips. I've interviewed people. Uh, I mean, even just like basic photo shoots, um, bouncing around town, just like cool photos. Well, like there'll be certain days when we just are spending half a day just bouncing around different spots in New York City taking photos and then so having people change outfits. How much of it, how much of the content stream should be something that people are expected to see? Like, behind the scenes things or vlogs from tour versus like something completely totally different. Like how much of what you do is just coming up with a completely different new type of content to push forward. Cause that's actually pretty difficult, you know? Um, and I know you guys also do the manpower behind these things. You guys aren't coming up with the ideas. You're also executing them. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it, they always evolve. And I think a lot of it too is like, you do want to just be able to capture like serendipitous moments. So yeah, of course. We don't try and like box ourselves into the content streams, but I right. think it just, by lining around the content streams from the get-go, it just enables us to really baseline. focus on execution, have baseline. Yeah. I think a lot of the success in this really just boils down to consistency. And I think a lot of people just um, never really think about like what sort of content they want to create. And then ju- they're just in like analysis paralysis and aren't like creating anything. Right. So next, I think after that, you really want to identify what sort of platforms to focus on. Um, I think the most important platforms right now, I'd say are... Uh, Instagram and YouTube, um, and then podcasts. I'd say those are probably like the top three. I think Instagram right now is like incredibly dominant, but it's definitely, I think, had its peak. So I think it's going to be very valuable to start building up followings on places like YouTube. Um, I think podcasts will only continue to grow. I think there's some really interesting, um, I actually haven't even really seen that many artists really start to like own the podcast space. Yeah, I was, but just, I think I was a lot just about of, to say, what, what does that look like? Other than artists being on podcasts, do you think artists should start having their own podcast? Yes. 
Yeah. That'd be pretty tight. Yeah. So I think That'd there's, pretty tight. I think there's that. Um, and then I think too, I think TikTok and Triller are also like really interesting. I think those are, so just to round out, I think Instagram is kind of hit its peak. I think YouTube, if you have like a hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube, that's going to be more valuable than pretty much a hundred thousand subscribers or followers across Anywhere any else. other platform. Yeah. Um, so I definitely lean into YouTube. I think all of these different social platforms are fighting to the death as to who can kind of win over long form viewership. And I think YouTube's got it. You see Instagram creating IGTV, you see Facebook rolling out Facebook watch. They're all trying to get people to watch longer, longer form, form videos. videos yeah. Um, but YouTube's the only one that really has that right now. So I definitely say would like lean into YouTube, come up with different ideas and ways you can really engage and grow your, your fan base and audience there. Um, and then I think if we look into the future, I think TikTok is only going to continue to become more and more relevant. Right now, yeah, it's like man, it, I got to get to know TikTok. That's something I'm not too familiar with myself. Yeah. Right now, I think it, it's very in Q1 2019. It was actually the most downloaded app on the App Store. What? Yeah, so I think it's crazy how fast it's growing. I think right now it still is very much dominated by um, a much younger age and younger demographic, but I think. It will, I think even from like TikTok, their, their content partnerships team, like we've been in conversations um, with their content partnerships team. And like right now they're really trying to only suss out partnerships with artists that have uh, fan bases that are 18 and older because they're trying to foster adoption of the older demographic. But I think right now a lot of the momentum is, um, I mean, there's a, TikTok has tons of momentum. So I definitely encourage you guys to really try and uh, lean into that platform and identify how you can grow following there. Last thing I'd say, I guess, is like Triller um, is interesting for like hip hop artists that have like slightly younger audiences too. Yeah, that's coming back. I actually used to use Triller just with my friends like four years ago. Mm. And at that point, there was no one on it, but just early adopters. There were no like huge artists on it. And I just yeah. saw 21 Savage put up a Triller video like a couple yeah. weeks ago. That was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So. For sure. And people are even just like export. And then, I mean, you could cross pollinate across all these platforms. Like people, like you see people are like exporting and downloading videos from Triller or from um, TikTok and then posting it on Instagram. So right. I think like there's ways Which to- Which is re- how I saw that 21 Savage. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly. Think what video you're talking about yep. right now. Yeah. And I think people, you should try and be active across all these different platforms. Pick your priority platforms. Definitely do Instagram. Um, I'd still say be active on Facebook and Twitter. Like you can simply like repost and push content out there, but I'd say focus the majority of your like growth efforts on, on Instagram and then YouTube or, and then if you have like a younger audience, lean heavier into TikTok and Triller. Do you think you should focus on one before you focus on the other or just kind of both simultaneously? I'd say like if it if it takes 15 to 30 extra seconds to like post on Facebook and Twitter, what you just posted on Instagram, do just it. Do like that. you can automatically even push out to Facebook right. um, to do it. But I think as far as like where you're going to, if you're going to be doing a lot of proactive engagement and finding and following other accounts where you're really like staying very engaged, liking, commenting on their stuff, I'd say really just lean heavier into Instagram. Got it. Um, the next thing I'd say is like partnerships. Look at people that are already influential within your fan persona buckets and find ways to co-create content with them. Mm-hmm. Um I think that can be you uh, like you can just have conversations with them if they own a gym or if it's a fitness influencer, work out with them. If it's a fashion influencer, ask them about their clothes, meet up with them, take pictures with them, have conversations with them. I think there's no 
one size fits all format here, but there's just uh, unique ways to go come up with an idea on how you can co-create content with somebody. Right. Um, like we had a friend, one of our friends is like a big basketball influencer. Um, one of our artists is very into basketball. He was invited. So we invited this basketball influencer to this basketball event. They played basketball together. They both were able to post some clips, cross pollinated audiences. Right. Um, so I think those are the big things. I'd definitely say like focus a lot on the emerging platforms, um, lean heavy into those. I think a lot of people that really win big in social media are the early movers on platforms when they're right. small. So that way they can really like ride with the wave as the platforms grow. Right. Um, so I think that that's like the high level stuff. Uh, I guess now we'll jump into some of the questions. Cause I think there's a lot of good questions around like very tactical growth tactics, which right. I do want to drive dive into. So this is like all foundational stuff that I think most people don't spend enough time on. But once you lay the foundation, then it's just a matter of like consistently executing upon those different um, content pillars and engaging with accounts. The one last thing before I shift to questions is like, what does growth boil down to? Because I think that like we just spoke to is all like foundational stuff. Like how do you actually grow the accounts? I think it breaks down into like um, three general buckets. So one is content optimization. So this is like, there's certain paying attention. There's certain ways in which you can optimize your content for it to be more likely to succeed on these platforms. Like if it's a video, like the first couple seconds of the video should be really intriguing and engaging because that will dictate how much people watch the rest of the video, right? If it's really boring opening of the video, then people are just going to watch it, be bored and just keep scrolling, right? But if it's a, if you have a very strong hook, if it's engaged right off the bat, same goes for the thumbnail, right? What's the opening like photo? Like, do you have a very like captivating thumbnail that's going to suck people in? Same goes for captions, right? Like, um, does it really hook in the viewer? So there's basic things there, but then beyond that too, content optimization is interesting because like you can be throwing a bunch of different types of content against the wall, seeing what's working. Um, content is, it evolves. Like there's certain things we've done with artists that like didn't work at all and certain things that worked really well and would consistently get hundreds of thousands of views. So we paid attention to that. We would double down on the things that are working well. So try a lot of different things and pay attention to what's working. So that way you can double down into to what's working best. And those are going to be different like content themes um, or different types of content. Next is the partnership development side. Um, so the partnership development side, I think is uh, actually tapping into existing communities, influencer partnerships, like we were speaking about. I think a lot of it too, is just like engaging and developing relationships with other people. So very proactively commenting on these different pages. Um, there's like engagement groups, which you can leverage where people will like and comment on your comments. And um, yeah. I have a question, just a general question. Speaking of engagement, um, how many likes should a picture get relative to the amount of followers someone has? What do you consider like a good amount of engagement? Yeah, I'd say like you try want to be around like ten percent at least. Yeah, ten percent. Got it. Cool. Yeah, and then the last bucket, paid media. Um, if you do have a paid budget, then there's ways you can run ads across some of these different platforms to get in front of your target audience. Um, you can pay for shout outs. Like not everybody does have the paid budget, but if there is a paid budget available, that can help expedite things. And it doesn't need to be a huge paid budget either, right? I mean, shout outs. Yeah. I think one thing we found too is like you have a lot of these, like if you go to at rap, like that might be a couple hundred dollars for a shout out, but there's a lot of like hip hop Instagram pages that have like five to 10 to 15 right. to under a hundred thousand followers that are charging like 20, 30, $40 per shout out. Mm -hmm. um, and if you pay attention to what sort of content is performing really well on those pages, 
when you cut up a video that's in a similar style and you pay them $20, a video could get thousands of views on their page and drive hundreds, if not thousands of followers to your profile, which is well worth it if it's like 20 or $30. Right, right. Yeah. The one thing about the engagement too is like if you're paying for shout out, shout outs are one of the best ways to actually like pay to drive new followers. If you pay for fake followers, that really ends up hurting your engagement. And then if, if, if you do have low engagement, like you were just asking about, that has a very, very like negative long-term effect to your page because Instagram will essentially dictate how much organic exposure your current post gets based on how well your last post performed. So if your posts are constantly getting like very little engagement relative to your following, then they're just not going to show your content to a lot of your followers right. going forward. Right. Word. Um, let's get into these questions. Yeah. I have some questions and some people have some questions. So I figured I would just go back and forth. Let's so do I, don't, it. I don't take the mic the whole time, but I'm, I'm going to start one of my questions. Um, how do you navigate putting out content in line with your brand pillars versus consistency? Yeah, I mean, ideally, you want to strike the balance of both. Like, ide- what, what do you what do you think is more important in the beginning for people? Consistency. Consistency. Yeah, I think you got can, it. Uh, yeah, I think you can establish your voice over time. But I, mm-hmm. I, I would definitely, when it comes to social media, like I hate the thought of just people like, oh, this is not perfect. Oh, this isn't ready. That happens all the time, exactly, man. and that, especially in music, you know. For sure. So I think it. I would definitely lean towards consistency as the foundation. You can always refine and evolve down the road. Got it. Let me go to one of these artist questions. Audience questions. What did I just say? Artist questions. Audience I mean, some of these audience members are artists. Yeah, so respect. true. Very true. I'd like to improve my stories. I get engagement for posts. How can I do the same for stories? That's a good question. How do you make your stories engaging? But but also, I think the I think. Figuring out and and who said who said this? Are we doing shots out to the names? Yeah, do for names sure. at Chris Bot. Um, so Chris, I think an interesting thing that you know I'll piggyback off this question is what engagement? What does engagement look like for Instagram stories? Especially because people can engage with it in different ways depending on how many followers you have. So sometimes it's swipe up, and that's obviously a little bit more tangible in yeah. terms of when you're advertising something on an Instagram, but when something's on Instagram stories, are we talking about emoji reactions is what what engagement is yeah, important? I mean, I like think, um, people sending you DMs after you see after they see stories, you know what I mean? Yeah. So generally speaking, uh engagement if anybody's like watching through like the ideal engagement is yeah, people actually like replying and DMing to your story or forwarding your story to somebody else. Okay. So that's the like the best. And then I think even across feed, all these different platforms reward engagement because if they know that if they show your story or your post to somebody else, that they're gonna stay in the app and stay on the platform. Right. They're incentivized to try and get people to spend as many hours a day on each of these platforms. So if they see that your content is getting a lot of engagement, likes, comments, replies, forwards, they're going to keep showing it to more people. So that's why you see if like one of your Instagram stories gets a lot of like replies, comment replies, um, it'll cont- it'll tend to be one of your like most viewed Instagram stories because they essentially see that like, oh, this is getting oh, a lot of comments. Wow. Like we need to keep pushing this to other people, right? Right, right. That's why the same reason goes for like, that's why all of your followers don't always see all of your posts and why you don't see all of the posts from all of the people you follow. It's because they're only showing you the stuff that their algorithm thinks you're most likely to engage with. So I'd say the engagements to focus on with stories would definitely be getting people to reply and comment. I think the best ways to do that are like stand out from the noise. So I think there's, 
big moments. It's you celebrating small wins. People love to celebrate. Like, oh, congrats. Like, oh, uh, it's you talking about like, oh, I've been being vulnerable, pulling back the curtain, saying you've been having so much challenge working on the song, but you've finally been able to break through. Or on the flip side, tell your audience, be real with them. Yo, like I'm stuck. Like I've legit been working on this song for the past like three weeks. I feel like I'm hitting this creative block. Any creative inspiration or anything you guys have done to get over a creative inspiration would go a really long way. Um, I think things like that. Getting personal, as personal as you're willing to get, the better. That's when you're really going to connect with people on a human level. And at the end of the day, that like social media really is just people scrolling, seeking this feeling of connection with the people they follow. So for stories, do you suggest, I know I see a lot of stories of people filming other stuff like, you know, a rat in the street or. You can, if it's, if it's, if it has some level of like shock value or seems like it would be intriguing and engaging. Like but I've if, seen these like interview style stories too, where the people will be talking to the camera. Will Smith does too. that a lot. Yeah. I think that's great. Is that something that you would consider more engaging than, you know, taking videos of the outside world and putting on your story? Um, I'd say, I would consider that to be more engaging nine times out of ten unless there's some like something like really funny or really crazy that's happening that is like worthy of you like filming that. Right. But I think if it's like if it's just like here's some random person crossing the street, like Dude, no. I'm listening I'm listening right now, trying to figure out how I can do this myself. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I mean <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I think if you Yeah. People love to see the uh, like the the people they follow excuse me, actually talk. Um, right. So, I mean, I think, yeah, like, get comfortable talking straight to camera. People resonate with that. So, but that's a very vulnerable place. So you just have to figure out how to do it and get past For it. For sure. Especially I mean, if you're an yeah, artist. Yeah, totally. And I think there's no, like, one size fits all. I think the general thing, like, if we're looking at people that are, like, responsible for their own social media, it's, like, getting very comfortable to just, like, ooh, you have this random idea, like, execute upon it. Um, or, ooh, you want to share this one emotion or thing that you're going through with your audience, do it. I think a lot of people have a lot of these interesting thoughts, but then just get caught up in this place of inaction. And then yeah. that is debil debilitating to like the early stage artist that really needs to try and get to this level of like posting multiple times a week. Right, right. Cool. Going back to one of my questions. How important is virality to your content strategy? Like viral clips... Um, things that will spark hot and, you know. Yeah, I'd say it's it's amazing if something does go viral. So you do should. You, do you ever plan for it though? Like you, you can try, you can uh -huh. try, but I think it's uh, like if you're, I think you're better off maintaining consistency around your brand pillars and paying attention to what sort of content is consistently engaging and performing well with your audience and continue to do more of that rather than trying to like chase this one viral idea. Because that's like the cliche, right? Like, especially when I talk to, like, my family members or, you know, people that don't really know too much about social media strategy in general. They're like, yo, man, you should do this. It'll go viral. And that's, like, what that's all that's what focused on. All that's all they're yeah, focused I th on. Yeah, I think you know it's, I mean? uh, it's very over-glorified. I think that it's, like, yeah, virality in social media is very much like the uh, the magic pill. Whereas if you're looking at this is a metaphor to fitness, mm -hmm. like the consistent posting, the staying true to your brand pillar, the paying attention to what sort of content's engaging with your, uh, is resonating most with your audience, proactively engaging with other accounts and developing relationships with other influential people. Like that's like the getting to the gym daily, eating clean. 
right. side. And then it's, the, it's like doing those things consistently over a long period of time is like the only proven thing. The real like, way to get viral right. over time. You right. Know? I mean, I think the, the viral moments like will come. I think what to pay attention to is if there is a very like there's a trending topic or if there's an interesting moment that's coming up to the extent that you can like create funny content around that. Like the iPhone 11's just released. Like I saw some funny videos really blow up around that. Like we even helped one of our artists create some, they were in like an Apple store, like spoofing something and <laughs> timed it up. So it went out with that and it ended up getting tons of engagement. So right. um, if there's big like social issues, joining, join in on the conversation there. Um, I think shoot for the fences and like swing for the fences, but don't get caught up trying to chase viral ideas all the time. I'd say that consistency and staying true to your brand and, and your story is, is more important. Cool. Um, I want to talk about something that Alec Boland talked about here, actually, my, also. Um, sorry. Let's talk. I accidentally, I accidentally said the wrong name, but let's talk about it. Um, he asked, how important is it for artists to go out and perform? Um, this doesn't have as much to do with social media, but I do think it's a good question that people ask me a lot. Um, I'm, I'm going to answer it myself, but I also think, you know, there's a spin on it for social media as well, which is um, capture that content, capture that journey, you know? Um, I think one, it's important to perform whenever you have the opportunity to, because when you get the moment to shine, you want to be able to advance on that opportunity. And a lot of that is performing. Um, but one of my favorite things to do is go back and see really early performances from my favorite artists or see videos, archive videos. I don't know if you saw this Travis Scott documentary, um, but one of the most engaging parts is when they showed him performing like four or five years ago in front of a small audience and then it going to a much, a much larger place. Right. You know, um, so in, in, in line with performing as much as you can, capture as much as you can during this journey, I would think. Um, is that something that you would say for, for younger artists or? Totally. Cool. cool. <laughs> yeah, no, Dope. capture, hey, capture do, document as much as you can. I mean, I think um, like even, first of all, documenting along the way is going to equip you with more content and more serendipitous moments and clips that you can just roll out across your own social media for the sake of consistency. And then, right. yeah, then even like flash forward two, three, four years. I mean, if you're consistently documenting and posting this content, then you're going to have this really interesting like archival Archive. base yeah. of stuff to pull from. Um, Luthra.in at Luthra.in says, how can an amazing artist stay relevant today if he or she does, doesn't like doing social media at all? I think that's a really good question. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a, a super good question. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I think it's a necessary evil. I think you can mm -hmm. surround yourself with a team to help you execute upon it. And I, I don't think it's, uh, um, look, I think there are ways to still build a sustainable career as an artist today without social media, but I will say you are severely handicapping yourself by not leveraging all the tools available at your disposal. Um, so, I mean, I think the thing would be to like, just don't get too caught up on, on the time investment of social media. Like if, if you spend 30 to 40 minutes a week, um, or 30 to 60 minutes a week, just coming up with a couple different photos, posting them quickly, and then spending the rest of the time engaging with other people and with other artists, I think that that's very valuable. But I, I almost would say to an extent, it's like, it's almost like your homework as an artist. And I, I mean, I think I'm definitely live very deep in the side of the social media. So I'm curious to hear your take on this too. But I, I do think that um, you should definitely lead and focus on your art and you don't want to get caught up in 
focusing too much on your social media or by any means letting that like trump what you're doing when it actually comes to like progressing and with your craft and your art as a musician. But ultimately this is after your music comes your connection with your fan base. And this is one of the most like scalable ways to do that. So, yeah, I mean, I was just with an artist the other day on a press run here in New York and um, he just said, Hey Jordan, can you take a picture of me? My Instagram dry. And literally we, we just, I, we were walking down the street. We stopped. I took a picture of him on the street and then he posted it. Yeah. That was it. It yeah. wasn't like he was like, what this is on brand? Is it what, what the brand mostly in my opinion comes out in the caption anyway. So it was a picture of him in New York. He could have just said in New York, but he says something, he says something crazy that was in line with some of the shit he said before. You know what I mean? Or something funny that was in line with some of the stuff he said before. Right. Um, so I don't think you really have to, at least from my perspective, and this is what I try to tell my clients, just don't, you don't have to overthink it, you know? Yeah. Part of what you're doing is just selling who you are as a person. For not sure. Not anybody different than who you are as a person. Yeah. You know? And I love that example too that you just shared because that's like how you can be effective with your time. Like some yeah. people just get so, so caught up as... I think one big thing I would encourage all you guys to do is to try and be very like active users of these platforms. So even if you are only going to, if you're going to spend like two hours a week on these platforms, instead of just spending like two hours mindlessly like scrolling and like double tapping and liking other people's stuff, like post three or four photos, engage, comment on other people's stuff. Whenever, I mean, that's one of the best growth hacks. I know it's not the, the shortcut magic pill that everybody wants. But if you're just consistently commenting on other people's stuff, people will pay attention. They're going to check out your profile. And if it's a thoughtful comment, they'll engage, like they'll actually, that'll turn into a relationship. It's not yeah. just like fire emoji, but like, Oh, I love this, blah, blah, blah. Like thoughtful engagement. Right. Right. Um, What's a new layer of content or strategy that you've discovered in the past year? Like this landscape is constantly changing. Like what? Yeah. What what is something you've learned in the past year specifically that's kind of changed how you've yeah I thought this was an awesome question Uh, shout out at Jordan (laughs) (laughs) at Jordan Williams co-host of the Music Business Podcast yeah Yeah. Uh, one of our biggest fans Um, (laughs) so I came up with a couple different thoughts around this so I think for starters one thing that's really been interesting for me to see is how often the algorithm changes and how valuable it is to move quickly on new trends. Is that frustrating? Are you like, God damn it, they changed the algorithm again? Or is it like, oh, here's an opportunity? It's marketing in general, man. Because yeah. I think a lot of <laughs> tactics that work now, like um, that's marketing, that's business opportunities. It's like there's a couple early movers that reap the biggest rewards across a new tactic or a new business opportunity. Yeah. And then as more and more people become aware they start doing it and then it gets to a point where there's just so many people trying to do something that it's no longer even working. I mean, it yeah. goes back to the the gold rush in like San Francisco, like way right. back when. But And now flash forward to today, um, I mean, there's certain algorithmic tactics that are working really well right now. One of them is um, posting IGTV videos and sharing them to feed. Like I said earlier in this conversation, Instagram's trying to get people to spend more time watching longer form content. So Instagram is giving a boost to videos that are shared as IGTV videos that are over a minute and then get you, you're kind of like sharing a preview to feed. Another thing that's happening a lot right now is um, like Instagram story views. So whereas like follow, unfollow used to be a very hot tactic right now, there's like this market of like bots that are going ahead and actually just like viewing a bunch of other people's stories 
because people are like clicking back through their story viewers to visit new profiles. Yeah, I think someday they're gonna they're gonna shut that shit down though. Exactly. I think Instagram is gonna shut the bots down in a, in a little. I'm surprised they haven't yet. It's like MySpace when they used to have MySpace bots that would just add a bunch of people as friends right. to get more visibility for the artists that were on there. Yeah, you know for sure. None. I mean, I think those there will always be. I mean, Instagram is always trying to like tweak and improve their algorithm and. There's always factors that they rank a lot in their algorithm. And as these savvy growth hackers see like, oh, this, there was a time when I was uh, all these different like meme, like at funny memes, (laughs) at rap, like was encouraging everybody to like DM or was encouraging everybody to save posts because there was a period in time when like saves and like DM shares of content was like an incredibly valuable factor. So all these pages are like leaning into it. So I think it's a... for me, seeing how quickly those change is interesting. Um, next is uh, changing platforms. Like I, I am very fascinated by um, how important it is to like see what's coming up in platforms. Like I definitely think TikTok and podcasts are really interesting right now. I think YouTube is super vital. I think Instagram is where the attention is right now. But there's a lot of just general skepticism about the future of Instagram. So I think not like making sure you're. Staying what, on top what is of these it? Because I still think Instagram is just like it's dominant right now. So um, big, you know? yeah. I think we saw about a year ago Facebook really throttled a lot of the engagement that they were getting. On um, they throttled a lot of reach that they were giving to business pages because they saw that there was just a negative downtick as far as like the average engagement of users on the platform. So they wanted mm. to bring it back to people engaging with their own like their peers and their friends. Um, mm. So right now they're starting to actually like test removing likes uh, and stats around that on Instagram. What? Yeah, um, that I think they're just trying to find ways to get people to engage. How do you engage if you can't like it? I think you can just like comment? it. They just won't publicly show the likes. Oh, oh, what? Why? Why would they do that? I'm honestly. I think what's part the thinking of it, behind that? I think part of it might be because. Um, this might be just me being doing positive thinking in the sense that I feel like this, there's this like toxic world of social media and everybody's like trying to compare themselves based on likes. Yeah, but isn't that good for Instagram? Um, I mean, there's a lot of rumors and they've actually tested this in beta. I'm not a hundred percent sure as to like why exactly they're rolling out this feature, but like you can look it up, like right. Google Instagram, removing likes and you'll see a lot of people the likes having is already that dopamine reported rush. Everybody gets. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think generally speaking, yeah, I feel like it, it's hit its peak, and I think people the engagement. It's just not the like the hot new platform it once was, and I think people like attention is starting to shift to some of these other platforms. Um, documenting serendipitous moments um, was big. I guess the last thing would be there's no like one size fits all. It's finding what works well for each person and artist. Like there's certain things that work really well for certain artists. I mean, obviously there's a lot of like trends. I think. One of those trends is like vulnerability. Like the more vulnerable you can be, I think the more you connect with your audience. I think another thing too is um, you don't need to overproduce. A lot of times, the best content is the the like the the super raw stuff that is some just a friend capturing a cool moment on their iPhone. Doesn't necessarily need to be like all shot by a video with an editor, but it's right. really just around trying to capture these cool moments Besides, and tell cool stories. If you cool got stories. the iPhone 11, you probably got a pretty good video anyway. You exactly. Know what I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even the iPhone X, shoot. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I was. I had a call <laughs> today, yesterday with some client with uh, our team and clients, and uh, where we were like, "Damn, like everybody's." iPhone kept bugging and like call <laughs> failure. And we're like, yo, I, Apple really out here trying to get everybody to buy these damn iPhone 11s. 
Shit. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I got the eight, man. I'm sticking with that for a while. Sticking with that for a minute. Um, cool, man. Well, how much time we got? Got another 10, 15 minutes. 10, 15 a couple, minutes. Uh, two examples of uh, content that I really love that I wanted to rec- uh, talk about here. I think just in this in the spirit of like partnership development. Yeah. Um, I think one kind of case study that I've seen work really well and I think has really like increased this artist's stock a lot is the Kenny Beats show, um, The Cave. Well, shout out to YouTube Foundry. So the result of the YouTube Foundry program, which is a program that gives grant to artists, um, they help artists create, you know, long form content. Mm -hmm. And what they did with Kenny was they helped him create the studio that Don't Overthink Shit is in. Right. And um, it's just taken off, man. I mean, you know, me and you talk about that Zach Zach Fox video all the time. We're seeing Zach Fox on Sunday, you know? So... Um, that video has 3.4 million views. Yeah. So I think I think YouTube is uh, smart for for giving out these grants, these scholarships mm-hmm. to up and coming artists to give them an opportunity to really create that long form content to take care of the platform. Because like you're saying, I think YouTube is the most important. For sure. Know? For I've sure. In the meetings at YouTube, just to go over YouTube. Yeah. Like, totally. Say hey and go over what the newest things in YouTube are. I've been there for you know five hours at a time. I was just yeah. invited to something else where you know I'll probably go to that. You know. Right. Um. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. I think the reason I love that show is because that's a, uh, and if you're not familiar, Kenny Beats, notable hip-hop producer, invites in a guest, they joke around, have a fun conversation, Kenny will kind of build a beat from scratch for the artist, and then the artist goes into the studio and does a freestyle on the beat. It's a clever concept. Each episode is five to 15 minutes long. They have had, they have been able to get some like bigger artists um Denzel Curry, Lil Yachty, broad range of different artists. Um, Zach Fox, the legendary. Yeah. Um, but I think what's interesting there is that's just a very like fun, organic way to go ahead and actually create some content with other notable people. Don't get discouraged that it's major artists. I think you guys can do that on a much smaller scale with like people at your weight class with other small artists. But it, at, at its core, you're just finding interesting ways to create interesting moments with people that have their own community so that way you can cross pollinate communities with them. Right. Dope. The biggest problem I would say I have as a manager is getting my clients to post things on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say a few years ago, even it was like, yo, can we put this on Twitter? Oh yeah, go ahead. Can we put this on Facebook? Oh yeah, go ahead. Can we, can you post this on Instagram? Oh yeah, go ahead. But I think over the past four or five years or so, these platforms have become so personal in a way where I can't even get ads approved on Twitter because a lot of my clients, understandably so, because it's so personal for them at this point, won't give me their passwords Mm -hmm. Um, to the point where, you know, they'll send me the password in the Dropbox link and then delete the password because just so I can see it, get it, and then they delete it from where it is. So it's not over on a text message or something like that. Um, How do you navigate, you know, getting these brand pillars to be accurately portrayed while at the same time doing the artist justice to their personalized content. You know, yeah. you just talked about vulnerability. How do you, how do you, how are you sensitive to that while putting out a plan that will help them? What are the, who are the gatekeepers in that situation? Do you tell management and then management tells the artist? We, I think we try and get the as artist close to or? the artist as possible and try to get them to, to buy in and, kind of co-create the brand pillars and right. the brand strategy and style directly with them. Like we'll build that 
typically after doing an interview directly with the artist. So mm. we're getting so you interview the artist. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Interview the artist. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I think where there's issues is the more layers of separation you have between the actual artist, the more issues that's going to create. And then I also think too, yeah, I mean, just the co-creation of that actual, um, the co-creation of the strategy together and just aligning around some of these like overarching content streams and brand pillars together off the bat. Right. If you have like buy-in at the, that the very high, like categorical level, then if you're, if you present something that like fits into these categories you've already aligned upon, then I found that people tend to be a lot more receptive. Do you guys deliver the content to the, to the artist or the client and then they decide what they want to post? Like, do you guys just make content that, is in line with these brand pillars and then the artist actually decides how and when they want to post them or do you guys also do content strategy, you know, as 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 minute as when, what time something is going to go up? Uh, I mean, we do it all, but yeah, like we'll create a batch of content every single week and then present it to the artists or the managers for feedback so they can get feedback on the content, the captions, the videos. Um, and then sometimes the our clients or managers, they'll post it themselves. Other times we'll post it on behalf of our clients. Sometimes oh, so you have access to some of these pages too? Most of them, yeah. Like when you when you post for them? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. So the captions, they just have to be approved by the by The, the captions client. and the content needs to be approved. I mean, the content I would assume is approved, you know, prior to uploading it. But I mean like, so what is what does it look like? Do you have a link to the caption? I mean, so we'll create a content calendar that has like, this is the video, this is the image, this is the caption. Do you suggest that do you suggest that artists and artist managers do that on their own? Like, even though they don't have a yeah. team behind I mean, them I, making I think like content? organized, yeah. I mean, if you could like be... Like a content calendar, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a very, like, or that's the most organized way you can really go into it. I mean, if you're an artist and you... I mean, if you are good at habitually posting four or five, six times a week on your own without having to, like, create the time to be that well organized, then maybe you don't need to do it. But if you're, like struggling for content and you need to build some some structure then yeah then i think it doesn't hurt to like batch your time and come up with like a week's worth of posts and just get it all like lined up instead of trying to like make it a new battle every day like oh we need to figure out a new post for today just like premedit like spend a week coming up with this next week's batch of content dope um we got a question that my man jesse actually asked and i just want to go through doesn't have much to do with social media but i figured it was a a good question to ask. Top five artists in each of our rotations. So you go through yours first. I'm going to get out my Spotify right now. I won't say any artists I work with. Yeah. That's to not seem biased. The baby, the baby, the baby, the baby. <laughs> uh, nah, definitely fuck with the baby. Um, the next artist that I really like is Channel Trace. So Channel Trace, Compton Bread, producer, rapper. He will kind of rap over like house beats. And as somebody that spends a lot of time working in like the house world, that also loves hip hop to see this interesting hybrid to me is like really fascinating and really exciting. So I definitely yeah. think, I, I think honestly he's, he's next up. Like I think his music is fire. He's opening up for Toro Imoi right now on that tour, which is a great look. It is a good um, look, yeah. So really excited to see a lot of that momentum. There's this uh, UK rapper named Loyal Carner that I really like. Yeah, I just uh, got on him over the summer. He's got this song called Ice Water that is probably the most listened song of <laughs> uh, my li- most listened song this year. Um, Anderson Pack too. Uh, he's got he's huge at this point, but like just the the soulful hip hop R and B multi instrumental swag he brings to the game is unreal. And then I guess lastly is I, I definitely like. 
Masego from uh, Jordan cool, EQT cool. roster. Shout out Masego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think he uh, brings it. It's like R&B, saxophone influence to this like new school wave of R&B with a lot of like hip hop inspiration. Um, just creates this really cool vibe and he could definitely like sing, write, and play that sax. Oh, play that sax. All yeah. right, for me, I've been listening to Young Thug a lot. That Young Thug album. Dugger. Um, I've been listening to Snoop Dogg's album, actually. I, you know, I think I think you always question if anybody's gonna put out a good album for their however many songs that Snoop has, but this one was still good. Like, like I was like, damn, Snoop is almost 50 years old. This album is still good. Um, what else have I been listening to? City Girls. Listening to City Girls. I've uh, been listening to Megan Thee Stallion. Jordan been on his hot girl shit this yeah, summer. Yeah, been on my hot girl shit. And um, Lucky Day. Lucky, Lucky Day. Day. So yeah. did, I, did I I just name five? Lucky yeah. Day, Megan Thee Stallion, City Girls, Snoop Dogg. What's that Megan Thee Stallion line you were telling me about before no, the I podcast? Say that. Oh, Benet, man. I added six on Benet. B-E-N-E-E. I listen to her all the time. New Zealand singer. Y'all should check her out. Um, But yeah, that's what's in my rotation. It seems like a lot of these questions we actually asked throughout the, you know, throughout your curriculum here. Mm-hmm. Um, which is great. So just so just so people know. Best method for organic growth, brazen of KP. Um, consistency, posting consistently, proactively engaging with other pages, yeah. developing partnerships. Right. Um, Some of the stuff we've been going over. Yeah, yet. but just to drive that home. If you do those three things, if you are consistent in releasing content, if you're proactively engaging with other pages... And in doing so, you're actually trying to develop actual partnerships and ways to co-create content with other influential people. Your page will grow. Um, I actually like this one. How much is too much for an artist to stay involved on social media? Um, yeah, it's very arbitrary question. I mean, I, I think just uh, how much is too much for anybody to use social media? I'd recommend that nobody spend more than like... <laughs> one to two hours a day at most. And even that's already like in the grand scheme a lot. Some people I would just spending... say as long as it's in line with your life yeah. and, 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 and your content creation, yeah. you know, I mean, if, I think, yeah, I think if you're making, you know, you're on Twitter instead of, you know, while you're in the studio too much or something like that, it could get, it could get in the way of why you're on Twitter right, in the first right. place. Yeah. You I mean, these I mean? platforms are all definitely like very addictive. So just remember you, you, it is important to lead with your art. Right. And try to not right. and try to be an active user of these platforms, not just passive. Until you'll be able to really get the most out of it. Um yeah, I mean, I think these are the biggest things. I think lean into the vulnerability. I think don't worry. I mean, a lot of times the best content is the stuff that's like not very overproduced. I think as much as everybody wants the like the quick hack to get all these different followers, it really is a matter of executing upon these tactics over a long period of time consistently posting, engaging, paying attention to what content's performing well. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, you can like shop, like send content out to other pages if you think that they're posting similar stuff and, and they'll repost it. Um, I think document a, a lot of the stuff whenever you're like creating new music, really try and just record and show snippets. Uh, I think one big thing that we didn't really talk about at all is kind of like rollout strategy. So another quick thing is like, Whenever you're getting ready to roll out new music, we tend to break it down into three different phases. You have like the tease phase, the launch phase, and the amplify phase. So the tease phase is before the song even comes out. This is when you're just like, ooh, something's coming. Like, ooh, here's a snippet. 
really just trying to sprinkle pieces of content to build up hype and anticipation. So that way when people, when you do finally launch it, there's already this like audience of people that's like very excited to receive it. The next thing would be the, um, like the launch phase, which is like, okay, this song's actually about to drop. Like, how are you going to release it to the world? And then the amplify phase is, okay, how are you going to continue to build momentum? I think a lot of times people aren't spending enough time like marketing songs after they've released. So how can you continue to sustain the momentum? Sometimes it's reposting fan generated content. Other times it's posting performance clips, um, Posting snippets of music videos. Yeah. He posts, he posts, uh, fan, fan content, like listening to the record or yeah. talking about it in their story. No, that, that stuff's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I think the performance clips, I think that is huge. Uh, another thing that we see is like, be very cautious of like being overly promotional across all your socials. Like promotional content tends to perform the worst. So if you're only promoting and creating content around new songs or upcoming shows, um, like that content's not necessarily to perform well. Definitely make sure you're leaning into like documenting the journey. If you do have a song you really want to promote, maybe try and like lead more with like, what's the story? What's the inspiration behind this song? Not just like new song out today, go stream it if you haven't already. Cause that's where you're going to create that connection. That's where people are really going to like resonate and like there's a, a deeper story to be told. Um, yeah. Yeah. One thing that um, I think is interesting about what JPEG did, and he came up with this himself actually, was by actually not marketing his album or marketing it in a bad way. Like being like, hey, working on the album, this shit sucks. Yeah. It almost it almost went totally against promotion. And in right. that sense, it had got a ton of engagement. Yeah. Because he was like, don't listen to this. I promise you, it's going to suck. Don't listen yeah. to this. Yeah, it was genius. It was yeah, clever. It was, a good, it, was a good, it was a good marketing tactic from the artist directly too. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Totally. No, I mean, I think that's also just a testament too to like the value of individuality and all this. Yeah. And just really following your instinct. Right. Getting right. in touch with that. Nope. I think that's everything I have. Yeah. I think this is, we definitely covered a lot of ground. Uh, let us know what you found to be the most valuable or impactful here. Um, feel free to ever like send through content to us on at Music Business Podcast if you want feedback or if you have any different questions around like, strategy or how to approach any of this we're more than happy to revisit some other questions in upcoming episodes or just hit you yeah. back directly so definitely don't hesitate to dm us um at music business podcast or feel free to hit me up personally um or also and if i mean if you really want help like we have a team of like graphic designers social media coordinators and whatnot so if you really like do want to dive deeper like um just reach out to me personally and we can see if there's any way we could help too Oh, and I'll definitely take your advice myself. Yeah. So, appreciate you, Sam. Boom. Well, thank you guys so much. As always, really appreciate the support on the podcast. Um, and until next week. <laughs>